Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please be sure to follow us using your favorite podcast software. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support our show on a one-time basis using the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. And you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date, March the 3rd, 1951, and the title is Prevent Disclosure of Compromised Codes. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to have me playing a friendly little game of who's who. The only trouble with it is that the guy who loses gets killed. Commissioner, Ruth said you had an assignment for me. I do. Steve, suppose you had a secret code. Yeah? And you suddenly found out it wasn't so secret. What? Suppose you found out that a hostile country had succeeded in deciphering it. What would you do? Well, I'd quit using that particular code. Would you? Well, wait a minute. No, I don't. If, if I knew that they'd broken the code, but they didn't know I knew, I think I'd keep on using it. Why? Well, that way I could send a lot of phony information that would probably tie their strategy in knots. That's absolutely right, Steve, and that's just what's been going on for the last six months. What? Yeah, six months ago we found out from a very secret source that a certain country had broken one of our diplomatic codes, one we've been using with the French government. And we've been using that same code since, sending false information? Yes, we've managed to mislead that particular country on several vital issues during that period. Well, it sounds like a pretty neat little racket. It is indeed, and we'd like to keep it going as long as possible, but... Obviously, the success of it depends on their not knowing that we know they've broken our code. And that's why the whole thing is hanging in the balance right now. You mean they found out we know? Not yet. But unless we can prevent it, they're going to find out very soon. How do you mean? Somewhere along the line here in the States, there's been a leak, Steve. Somebody's found out our little secret. And right now is en route to a meeting with a representative from that other country to sell them that secret. Oh, great. Who is this guy and where is he now? We think that uh, he or she's in London at the moment. He or she? Well, Steve, we haven't the slightest idea who this person is. Oh, you're really giving me a lot to go on, Commissioner. Right now, that's all the information we have. Uh, Do you know where this meeting is to take place? No. Uh, You say you think this character is in London. Have we any agents there? Yes, Slater's in London right now, working on the deal. He's staying at the Regency Hotel. Get over there, Steve. Work with Slater. Try to find out who this person is, and above all, prevent that meeting from taking place. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck.
National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you'll find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Sure, I've got my assignment. Find somebody, we don't know who, who's on his way to a secret meeting, we don't know where. <laughs> a real breeze. Well, it's Wednesday when I get to London. I head for Slater's hotel room. Sure glad to see you, Steve. I've been chasing so many smoke rings on this deal for the last few days that I'm groggy. But all of a sudden, things are looking up for us now. What do you mean? An old friend of mine blew into London from Eastern Europe last night. Triflis. Oh, yeah, that little international information peddler, huh? That's right. What I found out from him cost me plenty, but it was worth it. What'd you find out? The meeting is to take place in Athens, Greece, tomorrow night. Athens? Yeah. According to his information, our boy is going to be on the plane that takes off in two hours. Oh, Triplett seems to know just about everything else. Does he know who this party is? No, you know how these things go, Steve. You can find out a lot about events in this business, but as to the names of people involved, well, that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, one more thing. Do you have any information on where in Athens the meeting is to take place? No. As I understand it, Steve, the boy who's peddling the secret is to be contacted in Athens by their agent as soon as the plane lands. Presumably, the agent will set up the meeting with him then. I see. Well, I guess I'd better arrange myself space on that plane to Athens. Good work, Slater. See you in Athens. Right, Steve. Shots came from Slater's room. I run back and jerk the door open. Slater's lying on the floor. The window, Steve. Window. I head for the open window. There's a fire escape leading down to the alley, but there's nobody in sight. I go back to Slater, but one look and I know he won't be able to tell me who shot him. Slater is dead. So now I'm strictly on my own. The boy we're after was on to Slater, all right. Now I'm asking myself, is he or she on to me, too? I've got an uneasy hunch that sooner or later that question will be answered one way or another. But right now, I know the killer's going to be on that plane to Athens, which means I've got to be on it, too. I cable our agent in Athens, and then I head for the airport outside London and buy my ticket. I've got half an hour until takeoff, so I drop in at the bar just off the waiting room. There's only one other customer at the moment, a girl down at one end of the bar. I slide onto the stool beside her. Hi. Hi. One for the road, huh? Yeah. How about you? Where I'm heading for, I'll need more than one. Oh, where's that? I got a job waiting for me in Arabia. Secretary to the boss of an oil company there. But you know, little Marty's having a tough time telling herself into taking it. Yeah, that's pretty rugged country. Yeah. So I'm keeping my eyes open. And if I find anything more interesting along the way, I'll take it. You mean a job? Leave us not limited. Well, now you've heard the story of my life. What's yours? Oh, just knocking around, heading for Athens in about 20 minutes. Oh, good. Huh? We'll be plane mates. What? Look, I thought you said you were going to Arabia. Sure. By way of Athens. I see. Well, a little out of your way, isn't it? Maybe. But I'm in no hurry. Like I told you, if I run into anything more interesting on the way, well... <laughs> yeah. Well, who knows, Marge? Maybe you will. I'll see you on the plane. Twenty minutes later, the plane takes off. I get a passenger list from the steward and start checking off the names and the faces in my mind. Quite a few of them I can eliminate right off the bat. 
troops, some British Army and Navy officers, a Senate committee. Finally, my list narrows down to four passengers. Marjorie, the girl who's looking for something interesting, a tall, sinister-looking gent named Stryker who's sitting next to her, a nervous little Frenchman named LeBlanc, and a fat gent named Fabian who's sitting next to me. Fabian's the happy tourist type, and his supply of bum jokes is apparently inexhaustible. <laughs> then he says, why, that's nothing. I can't even find the room. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Huh? Well, that reminds me of the one about the fellow who Where decided that... Yes, that, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how do you like that? Won't even let me start it. Now, that's the trouble with these foreigners, you know. No sense of humor at all. You know what I mean? Well, I wouldn't exactly say that. Now, you, you're different. You're a fellow American. You know what I mean? I guess so. I mean, you got a sense of humor. Now, this joke I was about to uh, tell... Yeah, yeah, it's... you've got quite a stock of them, haven't you? <laughs> Listen, when you're a traveling salesman, it isn't long before you find out just how important jokes are. You know what I mean? I mean, when it comes right down to it, you're not selling your product, you're selling yourself. Well, in your case, I'll bet you must be quite a salesman. Well, no, that, that's mighty nice of you. Uh, I'm not sure I get you, friend. Oh, I skip it. What else do you sell besides yourself and your snappy sense of humor, Fabian? Oh, the right fountain pen, friend. Surely you've heard of us and our slogan. Slogan? Yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, fine. <laughs> and that, of course, reminds me of the story about the woman who used one of our pens. Hey, aren't we turning off our course? Yeah. Uh, I wonder why. We're over the south of France right now, and it's fogging up on us quite a bit. We'll probably be down for a few hours. Well, well that suits me all right. I can sell as many pins in the south of France as I can anywhere else. I can. I can see one guy it doesn't seem to suit. Huh? A tall gent sitting next to the girl. He seems to be doing a little fancy fidgeting. Uh, I say, I didn't notice before. Uh, 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 the little lady. She, she's quite a looker, isn't she? You mean Marjorie? Uh, oh, you know her? Uh-huh. Hey, you, uh, you think I could make any time there? Well, she said she was looking for something interesting. <laughs> well, in that case, we ought to get along just fine together. Because if there's one thing I am, it's interesting. You know what I mean? Uh, no, but keep me in the dark. Know what I mean? <laughs> the plane lands at a little emergency airfield. Nearby, there's a French village. All of the passengers troop in and head for the nearest bar. Steve, how are you doing? Hi, okay, Marjorie. You know, I've got a guy who's just dying to meet you. His name is Fabian. Oh? Well, I hope he's more interesting than the tall gent who's been sitting next to me. His name's Stryker. But I had to practically beat that fact right out of him. Yeah, I don't think he said more than six words all the way. I noticed he didn't seem too happy when the steward told us we were going to land here. Yeah, I noticed that, too. How about a drink? Oh, sure. It sounds that fresh enough. I'll see you a little later. Okay. Oh, my apologies, Monsieur Mitchell. I didn't see you behind me. Something you wanted, Lubeck? Well, well no, I, I was merely passing by you when you turned around. Funny, you were awfully quiet about it. What do you mean? Also funny that you should know my name. No more so than you should know mine, Monsieur. Huh. Yeah, I guess that makes us even one way or another. How about a drink? Merci, but uh, I prefer not. LeBlanc scurries outside. Fabian over at the bar gives me a big grin and waves me over, but I've had enough of his know-what-I-mean and lousy jokes to last me for the rest of the trip. After a while, I get tired of waiting for Marjorie and inhaling all that smoky air, so I go outside. The fog is swirling thickly around the place. I start walking, trying to fit together what I know so far, which isn't much. LeBlanc, the Frenchman, Stryker, the tall, silent guy, Fabian, the jokester, and Marjorie. It could be any of them, or it could be none of them. 
Yeah, right now I'm beginning to wonder if I've taken the wrong plane. Then I hear it. Just a little sound, but enough to tell me I'm not on the wrong trail. After all, the sound of a gun being cocked somewhere in the fog. I hit the ground fast. The slugs fan past me. I scramble to my feet and take off in the direction I think they came from. Suddenly I'm wallowing around in a muddy field. I can hear somebody else running, but in the fog I can't tell where. The mud gets gooier, but I keep going. Suddenly a hand shoots out and grabs my ankle. I spread eagle in the air. Too late, I see the rock on the ground under my head. I make a perfect three-point landing. You are listening to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. I don't know how long I've been out, but when I come to, I'm all alone in the muddy field, so now it looks like whoever I'm after knows a lot more about me than I know about him. But what I don't get is this. Why didn't he finish me off? I head back to the bar, but all the other passengers are gone. I find out from the bartender they've gone back to the airport. So I get there on the double. The plane's up at the end of the runway, all set for the takeoff. I make it aboard just in time. Well, Steve, we were beginning to think you missed the plane. Yeah, looks like somebody was trying to arrange for me to miss the plane, Marjorie. What do you mean? Oh, skip it. Mitchell, my friend, I hope you don't mind if I desert you for a while. Well, I'll try to be brave about it. I thought it was high time that this little lady and I got acquainted. You know what I mean? So I talked that guy Stryker into changing seats with me for the rest of the trip. Okay, see you later. Yeah. Well, I see you didn't miss the plane, LeBlanc. I? But why should I, Monsieur Mitchell? Well, that's a good question. Excuse me. I uh, said excuse me. Hmm? Oh, sorry. A bit wrapped up in my book, I guess. You mind if I squeeze by you? This is my seat next to the window. Oh, quite. Thank you. You're a striker, aren't you? Hmm? Oh, yes. Mine's Mitchell. Really? Fabian said he'd uh, talked you into trading seats with him. Hmm? I say, old boy, if you don't mind, I am trying to read. Sure, not a bad idea. Let's see, I think I left my newspaper here on the floor. Yeah, here it is. Uh-uh. What stopped me cold is Stryker's shoe beside the newspaper on the floor. There's mud on it, and it's the same color of mud as that in the field where I was chasing the person who shot at me. So, Stryker at this point has just been promoted to number one on my suspect list. It's a long haul to Athens, but I don't close my eyes for a second all the way. Sitting next to a guy you think could be a killer is not exactly conducive to snoozing. Finally, the plane lands in Athens. I get off first and hurry into the waiting room. According to what Slater had found out before he was killed, this is the spot where the contact is to be made. I look around the waiting room. Several people are lounging around, two guys over in one corner, a third standing in front of a poster, a woman with a baby. Any one of them could be the agent. Now the rest of the passengers file into the waiting room. Marjorie's first. She doesn't talk to a soul, but heads straight for the newsstand, picks out a magazine and starts looking at it. Next comes Fabian, the fat boy. He walks straight through the waiting room and into the limousine outside. Stryker follows him directly to the limousine. Then comes LeBlanc, but he stops in the waiting room and talks to one of the men there. The gent turns and leaves. LeBlanc starts out the door. I catch up with him outside. Let go of me, Mitchell. So you're my boy, LeBlanc. I say, let go of me. What? Well, complete with gun, huh? Oui, complete with gun. And now to keep you in order, my friend. Handcuffs. 
Hey, what is this, anyway? Since you seem to be aware of my identity and attempted just now to detain me forcibly, it follows that you are undoubtedly a criminal wanted in one country or another. Now, I will investigate and... Criminal wanted? Hey, look, who are you? Inspector Leblanc of the French Sûreté. Oh, great. And here I've been thinking that Now, maybe... monsieur, perhaps you will be good enough to identify yourself? Well, my credentials are in my pocket, but it looks like you'll have to fish them out yourself. These handcuffs are a little confining. Very well. Uh, ah, please? Yeah, that's it. What? Agent from the United States? That's right. Looks like we've sort of been working at cross-purposes, doesn't it? Now, would you mind unhandcuffing me, LeBlanc? Oh, but of course. You know, I feel somewhat embarrassed, Monsieur Mitchell. Oh, that's okay. I guess I did look a little suspicious to you. Oui, and then when I learned of the attempt on your life in that muddy field in the south of France... Hey, wait a minute. You saw someone shooting at me? No, no. I was outside walking around when I heard the shots. I saw you run across the field in pursuit, then I heard you fall. Ah, that explains why I wasn't killed then. The killer must have heard you and took off. Mitchell, it is obvious that we are working on the same assignment. The code proposition. Oui. Yeah, well, according to our information, LeBlanc, whoever is out to sell the secret was on that plane. He or she was to be contacted at the airport waiting room. Oui. Now, with you off my suspect list, that narrows it down to three people, Stryker, Fabian, and Marjorie. But none of these three people spoke to a single person in the waiting room. I know it. That's what bothers me. Incidentally, who was that guy I saw you talking to, LeBlanc? Oh, that was one of my men, Mitchell. I had ordered him to try and discover who was to contact one of the passengers, but he was unable to do so. Eh, I don't get it. None of them did talk to anyone. They got in the limousine and... Mitchell! What's the matter? The limousine! While we stand here talking, we have let them slip right through our fingers. You mean the contact might be made in the limousine? Oh, at some other point. Any one of them could have the driver drop them off at the meeting place. Well, a matter of fact, I sort of hope that's what happened, LeBlanc. Makes things easier for us that way. Easier for us? Are you insane, Mitchell? Not more than usual. Come on, let's go to the hotel, LeBlanc. I'll show you what I mean. Oh, Mitchell, I still do not understand what you mean by... Oh, no, wait, wait. That man sitting over there in the center of the lobby, is he not the driver of the limousine? Looks like him. Come on. Eh, uh, I beg your pardon, monsieur. Hi, Steve. Bill? Uh, Steve, Bill, do you know each other? Sure. This is Bill Donner. He's an agent of ours, LeBlanc. What? But uh, how did you arrange for him I to... cabled him before I left London, told him to be at the airport here in Athens when the plane landed. I figured the logical thing for me to do was drive the limousine. Oh. I see. Anything of interest happened on that trip from the airport here to the hotel? Nothing, Steve, but really nothing. Mm. All three of them come to this hotel? No, Stryker wanted off at another hotel a few blocks away. Mitchell, perhaps that is where the meeting is to be. Hey, don't worry. I asked for the cooperation of the Athens police. They've got a boy over there keeping an eye on Stryker. As for the girl and the fat boy, uh, what's his name? Fabian. Yeah, Fabian. We've got their rooms watched. Nobody's been to see them, nobody's called them on the telephone, and they haven't tried to make any calls or contacts either. Ah, well, good work, Bill, but that's the trouble. It's almost too good. What do you mean? We've got all three of them bottled up tight. Maybe the contact's already been made. Well, there sure wasn't any contact made after they left the airport waiting room, that's for sure. And, Mitchell, (laughs) how could any contact have been made inside the waiting room? We observed all three of them. They did not talk to a soul. The two men went directly to the limousine. The young lady paused only long enough to glance at the magazine at the newsstand. Hold it a minute. Wait a minute. Magazine, newsstand. Hey. Steve, you think she could have gotten a message out of the magazine she was looking at? I don't know. 
They'd really have to be sure she got the right magazine, but what I'm beginning to wonder is if the contact might not have been a visual one. Visual? I don't follow you, Mitchell. Well, something in that waiting room that would give whoever was looking for it a clue as to the meeting place. But what could it be? I don't know, maybe nothing, but it's worth a chance anyway. I'll see you later. I head back to the airport waiting room. At this point, I don't even know what I'm looking for, but I start walking around. The newsstand is piled high with various assorted magazines and newspapers, and if the clue to the meeting place is somewhere in the stack, it's a cinch, I'll never find it, then I notice some posters around the walls. Most of them are in Greek, so I motion to one of the porters. He comes over. You uh, speak English? Like a citizen. Good. How about doing a little translating for me? Translating? Sure. What's to translate? That poster there on the wall, what does it say? This movie poster, my favorite. Huh? Bing Crosby, picture his name of Birth of Blues. Birth of the Blues? Brother, that's a real old one. Oh, frequently we do not get picture here until 15 years after they are made. Yeah, we got the same system in the States, only over there they call it television. Well, I guess there's nothing in that poster that'll help me. This picture, name of Bertha Blues, have you seen it? Oh, yeah, quite a few times over the years. He's quite a huge favorite of mine also. Like especially man who has small part of trumpet player, actor name of Brownie Donlefit. That's an interesting pronunciation. You, you know? ever hear of him? I think he was a child actor in those days. Let's see. How about that poster over there? Let me see. Oh, that is about United Nations Children's Fund, organization to help underprivileged children of all countries. Money is requested. Well, that sounds like a worthwhile cause, mm-hmm. but I don't think that'll help me either. Matter of fact, I'm beginning to think I'm barking up the wrong tree. Whoever I'm after probably can't understand Greek either, so how could he get a message from any of these posters? Well, there's for your trouble, Buster. Oh, so thanks. You got any more trouble I could get into at these prices? I'm afraid not. Okay. Hey, just a minute. Uh, something else is troubling, I hope? Yeah. That poster behind you, it's in English. Uh, so for this, you need translation, too? No, no, I can read it all right. Wilson conducted tours of Athens. Bus leaves at 12 each day, returns at 6 each night. Tour includes the Acropolis and other ruins, waterfront, tickets, eight... So if it is tour of city you want, I can give you better one than that. Show you places that you won't believe. No, 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 never mind, thanks. Well, I guess that poster's no help either. It's just that for a moment there was something familiar about it, something that reminded me of... Oh, I don't know what. Maybe you got date to go sightseeing. No, no. Well, never mind. Okay. Hey, hold it. So, make up your mind. I think I just did. Huh? Yeah, I remember now. When I got off the train and came in here, there was a man standing in front of this sightseeing poster. Just where you are now. So? So he was blocking out part of the poster with his body, and what was left was here. Here, move over just a little. Sure, sure. There, that's it. Now I'll read the part of the poster that's still in sight. Twelve night... Waterfront 8. Well, what do you know? This is something of interest. It sure is, Porter. It's the most interesting thing I've seen since I left home. Twelve night waterfront 8. That's it, LeBlanc. And when freely translated, it means Pier 8 at midnight in my book. Hmm. But if you are right, Mitchell, if this is the contact message, then the person for whom it was intended would not need to stop in the waiting home or talk to a soul. Which means it's open season on all the suspects again. Where are they now? Uh, Fabien is drinking alone in the bar. The girl is up in her room. 
And Stryker is over at the other hotel under the surveillance of your man, Bill Donner. Let's see. It's a quarter after 11. If that message off the poster is the real McCoy, whoever it was intended for will be leaving for the waterfront before long. Mitchell, look. Coming down the stairs. Hmm? Yeah. Marjorie heading for the bar. I think I'll join her. Very well. I'll remain here in the lobby. Then. Hi, Marjorie. Drop dead, will you? <laughs> well, sounds like I just lost a fan. What's the trouble? You sick that jerk Fabian onto me, and then you asked me what's the trouble? Oh, I didn't hit it off so well together, huh? Only one thing I'd like to hit off with him. What's that? His head. <laughs> Come on, I'll buy you a drink. Well, <laughs> well, that's the best news I've had all day. Marjorie, Mitchell, over here, over here. Oh, Grace. <laughs> What are you, Fabian's agent? Not exactly. Come on, one drink with him won't kill you. You want to bet? Well, now, this is just fine. I was hoping a friendly face would come along and have a drink with me. Heard any more jokes lately, Fabian? I... Ouch! So sorry, Steve. My foot must have just bumped into your shin. Ah, (laughs) Well, how about a nice drink for all of us? Then we'll get around to the jokes. I've still got a million of them that you haven't heard. I doubt that very much. (laughs) What? Skip it. What time is it, Steve? 11.25. Why? I was just thinking, it's that time I turned in. I think I'll just skip this drink. Oh, sort of sleepy all of a sudden, huh? Yeah. Well, maybe, uh... What's the matter, Steve? Uh, nothing. I'll see you kids later. But right now, something is the matter. Standing there in the bar, I can see out into the lobby. And I suddenly notice that a chair out there is empty. It's the chair LeBlanc was sitting in. I go out into the lobby, but he's nowhere in sight. The clerk tells me he went out just a minute ago. Suddenly I get a wild idea. I head for Pier 8 at the waterfront. It's a few minutes before midnight when I get there, and out near the end of the pier, I see a cigarette glowing in the dark. Probably the foreign agent with a fistful of dough waiting to buy the information about the code. I slip into the shadows and wait. A couple of minutes later, I hear it. Steps on the pier coming my way. This could be the person I've been after at last. Then I see a figure looming up out of the dark. I wait until it's right beside me. Then I jump... LeBlanc. Ah, Michel. So that wild idea wasn't so wild after all. What are you talking about? You mostly. I suddenly noticed that you'd left the hotel and it occurred to me you might be my boy. What? Michel, that is absurd. I had a perfectly good reason for leaving the hotel in a hurry. Oh, what was it? Your man Donner sent word from the other hotel that our suspect there, the man called Stryker, was checking out. I proceeded over there immediately and followed Stryker to the airport. But when he boarded a plane for the Far East, I realized that he could not be our man, since he had as yet made contact with no one. I see. I returned to the hotel, but you were gone. Then I remembered the message on the poster you had told me about, so I proceeded here. Well, your story sounds all right, LeBlanc. But of course, because it is true. Oh, no, no, Mitchell, do not let your imagination play tricks on you. I'm trying not to, LeBlanc. I... What is it? Hold it. Yeah. Somebody else come and get down behind these crates. There. Wait. The steps stopped. They must have heard us. Well, LeBlanc, get back. You okay? Oui. Michel, where did those shots come from? The foreign agent. Farther out on the pier, he must think the first shot was aimed at... That's our boy again. You know, LeBlanc, this is working out just fine. With luck, they may kill each other off. Sounds like the agent got hit. Listen. Yeah, I'll wait until he gets close. Now! Fabian! Let go! Drop the gun, drop it! I will kill you! I've got your wrist locked. Pull that trigger now and you'll... Michel, he shot himself. Yeah. 
trying to do likewise to me. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah. So Fabian the jokester was our boy. Mm. Looks like in the long run the joke was on him, but at least he turned out to be a very obliging guy. Obliging? Sure. He killed the goose who was going to lay him the golden egg, and then he killed himself. Come on. I want to take a look at this other guy. Well, Mitchell, it appears our secret is still safe. Yep, both seller and purchaser of same are out of business. Well, here we are. Shine your light down on the pier. Very well. Ah. Ah, oui, I recognize him. He's a well-known foreign agent. You mean wise? Yeah, I've seen his picture before. Wait a minute. This envelope in his hand. Hey, pretty bulky. Damn, Michel. Mm-hmm. American money. The envelope is bulging with it. Thousand dollar bills. Fifteen of them. They really must have figured that Fabian's secret was worth plenty, all right? Um, at a time like this, it, it would be convenient to be soldiers of fortune rather than government agents, Michel. Yeah, it'd be a tiny little sum to slip into our pockets, wouldn't it? But I've got a much better idea, LeBlanc. A poster I saw in the airport. Poster? Oh, you mean the one of which you had the message about this meeting place? Oh, no, another one. Advertising the United Nations Children's Fund, an organization to feed and clothe underprivileged and displaced children. According to the poster, they need dough, and here's 15,000 bucks. <laughs> no, that is a splendid idea, Mitchell. You know, I am certain that this dead agent's government could have no possible objection if this money were used for such a noble purpose. Well, after all, LeBlanc, they're always yapping about how interested they are in the little people. So we're just taking them at their word. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is produced and directed by Bill Carn. Be with us again next week at this same time, when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. assignment came to you from Hollywood. Theater Guild on the Air brings you Hamlet tomorrow on NBC. Welcome back. A fun adventure. And once again, we find one of these cases where the villain is the same. And it just kind of makes you wonder, what did Robert Reif have against obnoxious, loudmouth people who bother fellow tourists? Actually, I think I just answered my own question. I think if I were undercover traveling, I would go with the same cover that LeBlanc went and pretend to be someone who just wants to read or listen to whatever they're wanting to read or listen to, which is actually the way I normally travel, so I think I could pull it off as an undercover gig. Also, I love the uh, cute reference to Brian Donlevy's film career and appearance in The Birth of the Blues. I've heard reference to the film, 
And I had known that he was in it. I generally don't associate him with musical-based films, but I did a little searching, and it sounds like an interesting film. Might check it out. There was also a Screen Guild theater version, and I like to listen to those just to give me a sample of what might be in a particular movie. The guy at the movie house did exaggerate a bit when he said that all of the films they got were 15 years old because Birth of the Blues was released in 19. 19- So it's a little newer than that. Steve Mitchell's uh, rejoiner about television, though, was a reference to the fact that early television, in addition to the few kinescope shows that were being played, was really known for replaying a lot of old movies. Of course, when television started to replay newer popular films, that would be the end of the radio film adaptations like Lux Radio Theater. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and we start with a review on the Apple Podcast Store. Uh, Billog68 writes, As a rural mail carrier in Maine spending six plus hours in a car six days a week, I'd be lost without it have been listening for a few years and finally getting around to reviewing. I truly thank you for what you are doing. Well, thank you so much. And so glad to be able to keep you company on your mail route. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Doug, Patreon supporter since July of 2021, currently supporting the program at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Doug. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And if you're enjoying the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell, as well as leave any comment if you so desire. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment, but join us back here tomorrow for Follow Vance, where... Markham, I won't be held very long, will I? I can't make any promises. It's possible that... Good evening. Oh, Vance, come in. This is Miss Jacqueline Rice. Miss Rice, Philo Vance. How do you do? Hello, Vance, Mr. you Vance. know why I asked you to come down? Definitely. Although your meager information hasn't supplied me with any motive for the crime. We haven't found any ourselves yet. Don't even know who the dead man was, as a matter of fact. We know his name, Dan Smith, and that's all. It occurred to me on the way here that the poker game might have been the reason for his murder. We were playing for pennies, Van. Sergeant Heath, who broke into the apartment, can tell you that. He told Markham, and Markham told me, which is the same thing. But while pennies were used, they may only have been used as an indicator. Like a chip, for instance. In other words, each penny might have represented $10. Or 50 or 100 That's right, isn't it, Miss Rice? Yes, it might have. And if Dan Smith were winning and somebody couldn't afford to lose... What were you doing in the game, Miss Rice? I was losing, up until the hand that was interrupted. And that one? I would have won that one. I had a straight flush. Mine was the winning hand. A straight flush beats three aces, you know. So it does, and that's what Smith held. Afraid you'll have to find a different angle, Vance. Perhaps, although I doubt it. After I question the other two suspects, Markham, I'd like you to release them. And, uh, Miss Rice. All right, if you say so, Vance. That means it's all right if I go? That's correct, but not too far. Nicely said, Markham. You see, I think Miss Rice has gone far enough already. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives 
And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.